Today on State Scoop's Priorities Podcast from Scoop News Group. Former Louisiana Chief Information Security Officer Dustin Glover explains his new role as Chief Cyber Officer. This new spot, the uh, Chief Cyber Officer, allows the state to invest just as much um, importance on local government entities and entities that are not managed by OTN. And Washington State Chief Information Officer Bill Kehoe on protecting state infrastructure in the cloud. That's a complexity that we have to deal with as we we protect our residents' data. And as many of our services and applications now are running from the cloud, and that's only going to increase, not decrease. Welcome to State Scoop's Priorities Podcast. Every Thursday, you'll get insights into the state and local government technology community. You'll hear from top leaders across the state and local world and learn about the latest news and trends ahead for the industry. I'm Colin Wood, filling in this week for Jake Williams. Here's what's happening this week. States will likely need an extension to take advantage of the federal cybersecurity grants included in last year's infrastructure law. That's according to Doug Robinson, executive director of the National Association of State CIOs. CIOs are eyeing the looming September 30th end of the fiscal year as they continue to wait for guidance from the Department of Homeland Security. New research shows cities and counties are making progress spending their American Rescue Plan funding. The National League of Cities, the National Association of Counties, and Brookings Metro say the nation's largest cities and counties had by last December allocated 40% of the $62 billion distributed over the first two years of the program. New Mexico's new CIO says he's targeting cybersecurity as Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham pushes to connect more residents with broadband. Peter Montos tells StateScoop in an interview, the state's redoubling its cybersecurity efforts after a ransomware attack that hit Bernalillo County in January. That means moving all agencies to two-factor authentication. The full interview will be available on next week's podcast. You can read these stories and more at statescoop.com. You'll also find links in today's show notes. As the number of cyber attacks ramped up in recent years, Louisiana CISO Dustin Glover found himself stretched increasingly thin. Glover has, over recent years, helped parishes, cities, and school systems respond to attacks more than 100 times, all while holding down his duties assisting state agencies and leading enterprise cybersecurity governance for the state government. But that changed earlier this month when Glover was promoted to chief cyber officer and Chase Heimel, a longtime enterprise security architect, took over the CISO role. State Scoop's Benjamin Freed asked Glover about the difference between the two positions. Well, I think the biggest difference um, now is that um, the CISO spot in Louisiana has grown into uh, a traditional CISO enterprise role related to managing the wealth um, of OTS infrastructure, which is a absolute full-time job um, managing all that infrastructure and supporting the 23 different uh, executive branch entities that are our OTS customers. And then this new spot with the uh, chief cyber officer allows the state to invest just as much um, importance on local government entities and entities that are not managed by OTS so that we can have resourcing available and services potentially available for any local government entity that may need assistance during some sort of cyber emergency or would like to participate in programs that we're looking forward to rolling out that will help local government entities improve their cybersecurity um, posture going forward. So this sounds like it's got a more, much more of a uh, whole of government kind of whole of whole the public sector role and responsibilities. Correct. And it's really matured out of 
um, what occurred in 2019 was the formal uh, standing up of what we call ESF 17, which Colonel Durrell and I lead together um, with state police and um, the governor's office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness, GOSEP. And we go and assist individuals who request our assistance for cyber attacks, cyber incidents, cyber emergencies. And since 2019, the team have responded to um, over 107 different entities that have requested assistance in some capacity. Yeah. Some of those are long and enduring engagements, and some of those are um, much shorter um, uh, consulting things or, or uh, initial uh, collaboration. And then we take a, a, a further you know, backseat to, to be available if needed. But this is, we've sort of proven and justified that this is a full-time effort and, and we look forward to being able to have this focus and the support. You, you, you're working not just with uh, Colonel Durrell's people, uh, you've also, you're also, obviously you've still got OTS, GOSEP, the state police. How, are, how, how do you balance the relationships between all those different state, statewide agencies? Right now, that, that's the most exciting um, part of this new role is that um, I get to focus on um, assisting those entities and, and not in the way that traditionally was thought from, from this perspective. I want to invest in each one of those operational areas and make them as ex- successful as possible and integrate them as much from an OTS perspective as possible, meaning that um, Louisiana State Police and Devin King and Adam Jennings and Daryl Miller and all those great guys over there do nationally recognized work. Why would OTS want to go and recreate any sort of forensic capabilities in our organization when we could partner with Devin King's team and um, improve upon and invest in their capabilities and utilize them as, a, as how we do forensics? And so taking sort of a whole government approach and then aligning the resources in such a way that we can, we, the state and all the entities inside of it can get the most value out of the resources that we have if we align them properly. Our guard resources, we have some extremely talented uh, army and air um, guardsmen and women, and we can only use them in, in a finite capacity right now because we need to stop the bleeding and then we can um, solve the unknown problem and then put it into a known configuration that someone else can sort of carry through till it's completed because we always want to have our best and our brightest available for the next incident because history has told us that only thing we know is that there's going to be another one at some point in time and we just need to be ready for it. How did how did, did you actually wind up with this this new role? Was this something that was thought, talked about in OTS or did the governor's office come to you and say, hey, somebody needs to kind of coordinate all the everything that's going on. And this is the honest to God is truth. It initiated by our deputy CIO for OTS, Neil Underwood. And he um, started uh, drawing on an org chart because he wanted to figure out a way to get the CISO position back in OTS. Because again, OTS CISO is a full-time job that um, has, in my opinion, not been performed as well as it needs to be because there hasn't been someone um, that has been in that role with without having to also manage this emergency management uh, piece since 2019. So this is going to give OTS the ability to um, provide that that CISO leadership um, portion while also not giving up any ground related to the progress we've made with our partners um, and, the, and the value we're 
or adding to local government entities managing cyber emergencies. Yeah. So let's talk about the local government. Three years, the number you just gave me was 107 uh, different engagements. How do you build the relationships there uh, with the parishes, cities, uh, critical infrastructure operators? Uh, we do it very um, uh, slowly and, and methodically in the sense that um, I was told very early on, uh, don't knock on anyone's door and say, I'm from the government and I'm here to help, um, especially in Louisiana. That is just apparently not well received. And so um, my message is, <laughs> hello, I'm um, promoting TS and you don't have to do anything that I say at all. I just want to, to help if you will let us. And it's totally volunteer. So there's nothing that, that we do. We're, we're not out looking for more authority or more um, hammers to put in our you know um, toolboxes. We're looking for solutions and we're looking for people who uh, want to do the right thing, but don't always know which steps to take or um, have the, the money or the investment available to to take those steps. And we want to partner with those local entities and help improve their posture and their um, cyber resourcing so that we can help uh, figure out a good balance for all local government entities so that we can maintain this posture, not just constantly increase when we need to and then decrease and get attacked again. We need to rise to a higher level of standard and figure out how we can do that with everybody in the state so that we can sustain something that you know, we're all still kind of waiting to hear on is how the grant program is going to work. Where are you at in, in your preparations for these grants and, and, and also in terms of the waiting? Um, great question. Very popular question. Very uh, popular question that, that we get. And um, again, we have been very blessed. We have a great partnership uh, with CISA. Uh, and uh, counterparts there and, and through a number of organizations, either uh, with NGA or the um, Council of Governors. And I don't know if they want to say on this, but we've actually um, gotten a preview that uh, we couldn't share with anybody of, um, of the grant. And we are in a, an, an excellent position to uh, respond as soon as the official NOFO is released. But the the reason why I think the most contributing factor to why we're in such a good position is because we started working on this plan well before this funding was announced and and we were moving forward. I was uh, working with Colonel Durrell and Devin King and all the um, our other colleagues to get justification and funding for what um, we're eager to unveil as a cyber assurance program. And and this is just going to um fortunately fall right in line with um, our ability to uh, package this up and show this uh, to uh, CISA as um, essentially the way that um, they were looking for all entities to basically respond uh, to this grant anyway with a larger plan and a larger effort and strategy. But at this point, though, are you worried? Are you getting worried at all about the, the timing of it? Not from my perspective, because again, from a funding standpoint, we are extremely blessed and we have, uh, again, just, I, I, I can hardly speak when I start thinking about how um, supported we are from the legislature, from the government, from uh, governor, from the um, commissioner of administration, all the way across the board. So we have um, been frugal and we have not been told we have a blank check, but when we go and request for funding um, and we're able to justify it and we're able to um, put it up there, we have, we have gotten it. So this sort of the next round of uh, investment, I think, will correlate directly with um, giving 
the state good much needed relief related from this investment and we'll just sort of offset those costs whereas states that maybe have weren't in this position or don't get this level of um, support um i would be concerned if if we hadn't already established some funding that i think will carry us to when these dollars finally get made available to states because I, I don't know that those dollars will be seen all too soon well when they do come through 80 percent of it has to go out to local governments in your talks with, with with those official with those officials uh have you gotten a sense of what they plan to do when uh with with the funds that they when they get yes and so we are right now um uh just starting to work directly with our GOSEP teams and our other emergency management coordinators for um, local entities through their existing um uh, committees and structures we're we are working to unveil all the different ways that that we are going to partner with um, how to spend this money uh, for cyber. So I know we've got to start wrapping up soon, uh, but I I want to ask Dustin what what would you say now that you're set, you're settling into this new role? What would you say the greatest challenge is going to be? Uh, right now, the challenge is uh, and, it, and it's an opportunity it, that we're super excited about, and and we look forward to getting this challenge done in the next challenge. But our current challenge is. Um, uh, getting these new positions that we were authorized for, um, uh, state police was authorized for five more uh, positions. Um, our Louisiana military department was authorized for 10 more positions. Um, OTS, information security proper, was authorized for 10 more positions. And we are uh, going to fill these positions with um, resources that fall into um, new initiatives that that will be um, part of our cyber assurance program. And so we're really wanting to get these individuals in here, formalize that program, communicate our intention, and then start managing and monitoring the effectiveness and all the value that that program adds. That was Dustin Glover, Louisiana's Chief Cyber Officer. You can read more about Glover and his new role on statescoop.com. Next week on the show, New Mexico's new CIO, Peter Montos, will explain why he only wants three priorities on his state's new IT strategic plan. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast at PrioritiesPodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss it. Bill Kehoe is living out his dream in Washington State, serving as state CIO and director of Washington Technology Solutions. After working in state agencies there and then serving as a CIO for King County and then Los Angeles County, he's now back in Washington State with the job he said he has always wanted. I caught up with him to hear about how he's approaching the job. And he explains what he's calling the one Watech approach to cybersecurity. I've been a CIO in state and local government for going on 20 plus years now, believe it or not, uh, starting, starting at the state of Washington with our Department of Licensing, and then moving to King County uh, for seven plus years, and then to Los Angeles County for almost four years and then um, ending up back where I started as the in the state of Washington. So it's been great uh, to be back in the state of Washington and as a state CIO, something I wanted to do my entire career. And it's great I get to do that uh, where I started. Yeah, definitely. And if I have my dates right, you're coming up on a year. And yes, uh, now want- that's, hard, uh-huh. that's really hard to believe. I mean, you talk about time going fast, but yes, I'm August 1st is my one year anniversary. Right. Well, I think we're still in the pandemic time warp. So, you know, all bets are off there. So I want to get back to uh, some of what you're, 
you know, the various things that you're working on and trying to push forward, as you said. But um, first, uh, I wanted kind of the main course here to be cybersecurity, because last month you wrote a short blog post about how the state will be taking on cybersecurity using its one Watech approach. So can you explain yeah. what that means, that term means generally and how it will be applied to cyber? Yeah, so the one Watech approach is, is more of a culture we're trying to build within Watech, um, the agency that I'm the director of. And it, what, what that really means is that security um, is not an isolated division. Um, it really spans our entire agency and all the services that we provide, all the divisions that we have, um, all the disciplines that we have. So I'm asking all of our uh, all of our divisions, all of our staff to understand that you know we need to work with our um, office of cybersecurity that has been uh, tasked with providing enterprise services to the state, enterprise security services to the state. But all of us need to participate in maturing those services, working um, with that that great team, um, and helping them um, provide services at uh, ever maturing rate uh, to the state. And that those disciplines are architectural disciplines, our tech and ops enterprise services network and others, um, a governance. Um, we just stood up a enterprise security governance committee uh, with that has all of the uh, agency security uh, officers as members. Um, we're asking our strategy folks to, to lean in, our finance folks. So really, if, if we're going to provide enterprise services um, to the state at a level that we need to and a sophistication that we need to, it's going to take all of us in Watech to make that happen. And then the other aspect of this is that security is and should be at top of mind for everything that we do. Uh, all of our services have a security component, whether that's an enterprise service within our Office of Cybersecurity that they run, or it's another type of service. We always have to keep good architectural security principles and um, and understand that everything we do, we have to, we have to, has a security component and um, none of us can just push that off to uh, another another group. So hmm. that's the one Watech approach that we're moving forward with. Hmm. Well, I realize in a large organization like a state government, the um, kind of level of maturity is always going to be kind of mixed because just you have so many different uh, offices and so forth. But how would you say that Washington is is doing right now when it comes to cybersecurity and um, like uh, kind of how much work do you have ahead of you there? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think you're ever done. Uh, yeah. So it's it's never a, a project where you can look in you know a year or two out and say, "Wow, we're going to be done with uh, with cybersecurity, and we're going to be uh, we're going to be a level five CMM or whatever it may be." Um, the, one of the best quotes I heard around security was from I believe it's from the uh, CIO. Uh, from West Virginia, who said that uh, security is not a problem uh, to be solved. It's a risk to be managed. Hmm. 
and that really stuck with me because it's so true. Um, we're never going to be um, at a place where we can stop assessing uh, our services and where we are uh, within our individual agencies or at a state and say, hey, we're done. Uh, it's a constant assessment every day, uh, given the sophistication and the volume of uh, attacks that we get um, from the outside now. Uh, we always have to be uh, have our guard up. We always have to ensure that our services are at the highest level of monitoring and alerting and so that we can quickly remediate. But that takes uh, takes a lot of effort to make sure that we have full transparency on where we're vulnerable. So we're, uh, we're definitely um, in the early stages of standing up our enterprise services. They've been stood up for about a year now, a little over a year. So we have a lot of work to do. Uh, we're, we're assessing um, some of our um, more critical components of our overall architecture. And, and then we're gonna be putting a, um, you know, an improvement plan together so that we can always be maturing and providing the state uh, those services to mitigate the risks that are out there. So a lot to do. Um, uh, we're, we're trying to build our team here within MOTAC and we're trying to, as I said, st stand up a governance group so that we can pull together all of our agency partners and we can work as an enterprise in managing this, this risk, which is really important uh, because we're a federated IT state. So we are, uh, I would say, uh, somewhere in the beginning to middle of our, uh, of our overall plan, but um, I don't, you know, I, like I said, given the, the threats that are out there and the volume of those threats, uh, we're never gonna be done done, but we can always improve. Right, right. Well, um, I feel that with, especially within the last several years, there's been some major changes in uh, cybersecurity, particularly in government. Uh, zero trust, of course, comes to mind, and then some of the enterprise things that you're talking about. Is there anything else that you've noticed that's different today in cybersecurity uh, in government versus three or five years ago? Yeah, well, I look back on, on my career and I would say that, um, you know, cybersecurity is something that we pay attention to a lot more and plan for and spend a lot more money on than we've, than we've done in the past. I would say in the past, um, you know, three to five years, uh, as I indicated before, the threat vectors that we have to consider uh, are very complex. Um, the sophistication of attacks, whether it be phishing or just the the you know the threat vectors and some of the um, incidents we've had to deal with, solar winds being an example, you know where malware was planted in uh, updates. Um, it's it's a constant battle to stay ahead of the game, and it's it's really really gone exponential in terms of just the volume and the sophistication. Um, so we have to be on a, a constant state of monitoring and alerting and remediating and managing risks. Um, I would say the importance of collaboration at the federal and the local government level has never been higher. And that's not something that's maybe always has have been there, but we're constantly working with the um, 
whether it's Homeland Security or CISA or other organizations, MSISAC, um, just collaborating on, you know, what are they seeing out there? What are those threat vectors that we need to be aware of and plan for? And then with our local government partners, making sure we have a good collaboration there around anything they're seeing or experiencing on the security front. So that collaboration, that kind of whole government approach to security, I think is uh, is really important and um, is something that's maybe not new, but has risen in the, the past few years in terms of importance. Um, I would also say that you know our uh, our ecosystem our infrastructure has expanded as we move to the cloud and what we need to protect now isn't in a, a nice tidy data center um, but it's also in multiple clouds and that's a that's a complexity that we have to deal with as we we protect our resident data and as many of our services and applications now are running from the cloud and that's only going to increase not decrease as we move forward so really expanding our um, enterprise services and what we need to protect now is not just within the traditional government data center it's now exploded out to uh, multiple clouds and that's a complexity that has really uh, increased over the last few years hmm right Okay, well, aside from cybersecurity and cloud and um, and some of those things that you mentioned, what are some of the other major IT projects that you have on your mind these days? We have uh, some real uh, specific areas that we're leaning into strategically. Uh, an area that um, I can certainly talk more about at a later time is this concept of connected government. Um, there's a real need for us to connect um, our agencies that you know have built up their business services and their IT in agency silos over the years. And our budget processes really are more focused on agencies, but there's a real need to put one face of government in front of our residents so that they can navigate government uh, much more readily than they do today and they don't have to understand how we're organized to get the services they need or to understand what they're eligible for. So that's a real push. And you might say, well, that's not really a technology thing, but it is because if we're gonna connect government so that we can improve uh, the services that we provide our residents, then we have to connect our agencies via data, uh, via, via multi agency type of services, um, so that we can present that one face of government and our residents can get to the services they desperately need. So that's a real focus that has uh, projects like identity and access management, uh, has a resident portal, and has a data strategy to connect agencies and share data across the enterprise uh, to get to that vision of a connected government to improve our, our services to our public. So. That also involves our, our, our cloud strategy. We are, we're um, developing a hybrid cloud architecture and strategy to, to ensure that we can onboard our agencies as they modernize their 
legacy systems and move to the cloud. That was Washington State CIO Bill Kehoe. You can read more about Kehoe and what's happening in Washington on statescoop.com. The Priorities Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't already, please leave a review or rating on the podcast page. They help more people find us. This podcast is a product of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher helped put it together, along with contributions from the rest of the Scoop News Group team. I've been your host, Colin Wood. Thanks for listening.